0: You're listening to episode 65 of the Journey to Launch podcast. How to spark joy and abundance in your life with Kristen Ivey. Minus 10 Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 Journeyers. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. This is episode 65. And in today's episode, I'm diving even deeper into this concept of tidying up minimalism, living a simple but good life. And so last week, I spoke to Joshua Becker from Becoming a Minimalist. And if you haven't heard that, so you definitely go check that out after you listen to this one. That was episode 64 with Joshua Becker. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the Mari method. And that is going to be done with Kristen Ivey who is a Con Marie consultant. And she actually is Chicago's first certified KonMari consultant. And she's a dedicated professional organizer who teaches families and professionals how to let go of stuff so they can attract a truly abundant life. And you'll hear in Kristen's story how she herself came to this realization, started to make these changes in her life and started to live the life she wanted to live instead of kind of chasing something that she wasn't happy in and figuring out what worked best for her. So following along the lines of how do we live our best life? How do we reach financial freedom, financial independence? This is part of that. How do we pick up more tools in our toolbox to be able to live a life that we can really enjoy without stuff and crap and things we really don't have space for holding us down? And so I thought it'd be pretty cool to talk about this specific method because actually I mentioned it in a couple podcasts and I've always had people curious about this, this type of cleaning up method. And it's really a very, very popular way of doing things, way of cleaning up. And so I'm excited to talk about this. With Kristen, we're gonna talk about her background, how her career aspirations have changed since she has found tidying up and becoming more just intentional about how she lives within her space, how that happens in her life, what she saw in that. We're gonna talk about how becoming more organized and tidy can lead to someone finding their passion and making these big changes in our lives. And then of course, how does this relate directly to finances and organizing? How does that help us become more abundant? We're gonna talk about the concept of what sparks joy. So what sparks joy in your budget, what sparks joy in your life, and so, so much more. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 65. Last week, I did go to FinCon, but I'm sorry to tell you, I don't have really any real-time updates for you because I'm recording this intro and outro right before I left to go to FinCon. So keep in touch via social media to see how FinCon went. You can follow me at Journey to Launch on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Don't forget, you can join the Facebook community. Go to com slash community. And as always, just keep telling your friends to listen to this episode, listen to the entire podcast if they can, this is how we grow the podcast. We get more journeyers on board on this journey. And I really appreciate that, especially if you listen to this in Apple Podcast, If you can rate, review, and subscribe, I read every review. Okay, let's get into this conversation with Kristen Ivy. Hey, journeyers. I'm really excited to have today's podcast guest, Kristen Ivey. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Jamila. So I'm happy to have you here for so many reasons. First is obviously to help my audience, to help the journeyers out there get more organized and specifically me. So selfishly, <laughs> I need to get more organized in my life. And I was really drawn to your website and just your profile and what you did. So just as a quick bio, Kristen Ivey is Chicago's first certified Conmarie consultant. And you're a dedicated professional organizer who teaches families and professionals how to let go of stuff to truly attract an abundant life. So just that alone, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to talk to her. (laughs) Because (laughs) one of the things that holds a lot of people back is the clutter and disorganization in their lives. And even if it doesn't hold them back on a obvious and apparent level, it's like that subconscious clutter and the things that hold us back in life or we're not letting go of things we don't need anymore in our lives that just walk us down. And so I wanted to bring you on to talk more about that, the KonMari method to explain that a bit more and just how organization and tidiness affects our finances. So thank you, Kristen, for being on the show.
1: And thank you for inviting me. This is gonna be so fun.
0: Yeah, so let's just hop right into it. How does organization and tidiness affect our finances?
1: Sure. Essentially disorganization we can say or clutter which is a symptom of oftentimes the stress in our lives manifests in various different ways and one of the ways are through consumption. Consumption is essentially results of overspending or mindless spending. And that can lead to us having a little bit too much noise around us in the form of visual clutter or physical clutter, clutter around our waistlines and clutter within perhaps our budget or ability to be truly wealthy. So it shows up not only in our homes, but oftentimes in other spaces. And it can even show up sometimes in our relationships with others as well. So it really impacts all aspects of our life.
0: Mm -hmm. And reading your background. So your blog for the love of tidy and your business for the love of tidy, you talk a bit about how when you let go of some of the stuff in your life and transition to being even a more organization based person, how much your life changed. So can you talk a little bit about your transition to this and how you got into this field and how it's helped you?
1: Sure. Well, I started as someone who definitely feared entrepreneurship in general, I thought the only direction that my life was headed was in the typical box of a corporate job with a W-2. And so even since high school, some people have said, oh, you're good at math and science. You know, counselors would say that. And I said, okay, let me go into engineering. Right, So I studied chemical engineering, actually, and not organization in undergrad. So I took that government contracting job and worked in corporate America, reached about the five-year mark and received a promotion and realized that I didn't really want to be my boss, that I was tired of designing things that I felt were just going to be sitting on a shelf and weren't really impacting anyone's life in a tangible way. And that's really what I wanted to do. So... I saw that I didn't really have the passion that my boss had either for this type of work. So although I had had some success, I knew there was something more. So then I said, oh, okay, so let me go into a more creative field like interior design. Has to deal with home. And that was something I cared about. So I did have an affinity for surrounding myself with beauty and a good home environment. So once I did that, I kept my day job. I continued in corporate America, but had this creative outlet of building this interior design experience. And when I graduated, unfortunately, it was right when this recession was happening. So yeah, that was interesting. There was 40 designers being laid off at a time in one firm. So again, definitely decided to still keep my day job, but that was taking a toll on me as living a bit of a double life, obviously, and I just was ready to move on. And that's when I feel like I attracted the book into my life. And the book I'm referring to is Marie Kondo's book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Once I read that book, the message resonated so strongly with me that I not only tidied up everything in my own home, but I no longer had that fear of opening myself up to being an entrepreneur and started my business for the love of tidy became a certified KonMari consultant. And as of three months ago, I am officially a full-time entrepreneur and freelancer and finally let go of that last piece of the puzzle, which was my corporate job. And now I help businesses and families and busy professionals tidy up their homes all across
0: Chicago. Mm, Wow, congratulations. Thank you. That's a big deal. Yes. I'm inspired by that because by tidying up, by finding something that you loved, how you could affect people directly, instead of working in this job where you felt like you weren't making the direct impact you wanted to make. So by finding out about this method and then applying it to your life and then helping others, you basically found your passion. And then that's allowing you now to finance or to live the lifestyle you live, which is being an entrepreneur, but funding your life, right?
1: Exactly. And it was so interesting when I was decluttering the kanmari clutter categories, when I was taking a deeper look at books and paper, I found this book that was called The Ultimate Guide of Professional Organizers. It had collected dust on the shelf for probably 10 years, but It was really one of the many clues that I found by just taking a little closer look at the things I surround myself with every day that helped me put all the pieces of the puzzle together, that I could put these soft skills together, like project management and home design and the Kamari training. And then I could really do something where I could see an immediate impact and do something that I loved because I did have an affinity for organization. I was just executing organization in a completely different way before I ran across KonMari.
0: So can you explain the KonMari method and what it is and what it's all about?
1: Sure. So the KonMari method is a Japanese-based decluttering method, and it was made popular by Marie Kondo. So KonMari is a bit of a play on her name there. And she has a best-selling book, which is The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, came out in about 2014 and hit that New York Times bestseller list and has now turned into this larger movement. And KonMari is all about shifting your attention to only keeping the things around you that spark joy rather than focusing on the act or the task of decluttering and letting go, which in and of itself brings people a lot of stress and anxiety. So you're shifting your mind to focus more on the positive And the method really gives you the permission to keep anything you want to. That's the good news, right? Anything that sparks joy and has a high joy value. But of course, we have to think of that in terms of creating a balance between you, your space, and your belongings. So there is a criteria there and you have to be able to be realistic. But that's where I think it's a little bit different than minimalism, which is probably something your listeners have also heard of another philosophy about kind of less is more and though there are some people who are practicing um, kamari and minimalism you don't have to be a minimalist to execute kamari it's not about minimizing it's about just finding that click point that comfortable number of things whatever it may be for you that sparks joy and it's unconventional because it's not really about tidying up for like 15 minutes here every day or tidying up annually and continuing having tidying being this thing you're always concerned with. It's actually about confronting your clutter by category rather than room in a very comprehensive way. And this technique encourages you to then permanently change. So it's a little bit of a rip the bandaid type approach. And it's not for everyone, but if you do it, you could spend up to 15 to 60 hours to execute it, but it sets you up to be permanently tidy moving forward. So you have the opportunity to totally change your mindset and avoid having a home that is getting in the way of your personal success.
0: Mm -hmm. And I love that the basis of it is changing the mindset and the behaviors. It's not just the act of doing it. And this is what I talk about with the finances too, that You can search and Google how to budget and you can like sit down and do the methods and do the step by step. But if you're not ingraining the mental and the mindset shifts that need to occur for you not to make the same mistakes, for you to have the confidence, for you to want to continue, right? It totally affects how you move forward right after you're done that one action. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's pretty obvious by now to listeners and to me that it affects all areas of your life, but it affects your finances. And I have something to admit, and I feel like I've said this a little bit on the podcast before, but I'm not a very organized person, right? So I always used to tell myself or I used to say that I was organized chaos, where I was always able to find what I needed and things are a bit of a mess. Like I'm not too messy, but things are not organized. And sometimes it takes me longer to find things in my home or my closet or in my paperwork because I kind of don't take the upfront time to organize them. And that's one of the things I wanted to improve upon specifically this year and going forward because I think about how much I've been able to accomplish being this way so long, so much of my life, and how much more I can accomplish by even being more organized. This is one of the reasons why I was so excited to talk to you because How can someone like myself, who is not a naturally organized person, start to gain control of all the clutter around me?
1: Sure. Well, I'll give you a little bit of hope here because Marie Kondo, she actually studied the art of tidying since she was five years old. She really became a student of organization, read every single book, magazine that she could put her hands on in Japan and even wrote a thesis on the topic. And one of the things she explored was that possibility that there's people who are just born naturally better at tidying up or they have some kind of special gene that makes them better at organizing for whatever reason. And she found that that's actually just a myth. So anyone out there that thinks they have no hope, they've always been messy, or they just feel like they can never be organized I can reassure you that I've seen it with my own eyes, that there is still hope for a transformation. I have clients, I have actually a retired professional organizer as one of my clients. And I also have someone who says they've been messy since childhood. So there's a wide range and it's interesting that you mentioned how successful you're able to be, even though you know that there's a potential for you to up-level that if you got a little bit more organized. And I also have clients who have, have that exact same scenario, clients who have climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, who are in rock bands and doing amazing things with their life, and they could be even more amazing if they just tidied up a little bit more. So it's pretty cool that there's that potential And you shouldn't limit yourself if you feel that the story is, oh, I've never been this way, so I won't ever be able to, to kind of clean things up. But it's definitely a possibility and it's important to just examine what you want first and then lead with joy moving forward. So it's all about asking and grounding yourself with that question. Why? You know, why am I doing this? And letting the vision and the motivation for why you want to get organized lead you to making your first steps.
0: Mm, and again, this ties in to financial freedom. I, doesn't it doesn't.
1: <laughs> I know the overlap is so interesting, right? It is because
0: I tell people all the time, you need to know your why, because if you don't understand why it is, maybe you've done the things you've done, you're just going to repeat the same mistakes. Or if you don't have the confidence, like you can't just say, I've always been bad with money. I don't understand investing. If you have that mindset, then you'll never progress, right? So if I keep telling myself, you're not an organized person, it's too much, like you just can't change. Of course, that's going to block me from making those changes moving forward. Exactly.
1: There's so much overlap between finance, health, and tidying in particular. They're all basically vehicles to make a change happen or to transform your life. So in the form of an exercise trainer, they would have you do an exercise, a physical exercise, but then maybe get deeper to the core and why you haven't been able to make that a formal habit. Or folks like you, Jamila, who are using finances to help people focus in and hone in and grab financial independence. It's just using these different tools in a way to drive and motivate major changes.
0: Mm -hmm. And I wanted to touch upon one of your blog posts that you have on your blog Sure. called Finding Freedom through Marie." And there's one specific part in this blog post. I'll just read it really quickly and we can talk about it. But you say, I was emotionally stuck and no amount of cyclical purging was going to get me out. I was stuck under unfinished projects, mindless purchases, unhealthy habits and unfulfilled career aspirations recycled year after year. I used the act of acquiring more as a way to bury the guilt, anxiety, and fear associated with my inability to achieve true joy and happiness in major areas of my life. Oh, yeah. And that really stuck out to me because (laughs) that emotional feeling stuck and how it manifests through your environment. So whether it's your finances or your spaces around you you were able to identify what it actually was. So can you talk a little bit about what that was about for you and how you overcame it?
1: Sure. Yeah. You just took me back to that place in my life. It was a very interesting time. And for me, I was just in the process of examining my clothing and trying to declutter. And clothing is one of those categories that I really enjoy. And I found that I had $300 worth of items that had tags on them. And They weren't even clothes I was interested in wearing. They didn't spark joy. Instead of just saying, hmm, hmm, that's unfortunate, I kind of stopped myself and said, okay, let me think about this a little bit further and figure out what the source of the problem was and why I had so much excess and why I was not being thoughtful about what I was actually consuming. So sometimes just taking up one second and just asking yourself why is so powerful, like I mentioned earlier. And in that moment, that's where everything started to click. And I realized that I actually didn't understand what being organized truly meant. I thought that because I put my things away that I could consider myself organized. Or I thought because every Christmas, I would have this big purge party with my friends where I would gather up all these clothes that I have and say, hey, guys, are you interested in these before I donate them? And it became this whole big deal that they would like, look forward to every year. And I really thought I was organized. I thought I was doing something because I was cleaning out my closet every year. (laughs) But in the reality was, my clutter was actually trying to tell me something in that moment. So I really dug myself into uh, $60,000 of consumer debt. And it wasn't just clothes, it was me saying yes to everything, like every person. Oh, do you want to get another drink? Sure. Do you want to go on this vacation? Sure. Yeah, sure. I'll, you know, figure out a way to pay for it. So I I started changing my thinking in that moment and realized that tidying the traditional way in you know, a little bit here or there or just having these annual events, it was becoming this harmful tradition for me and I needed to dig deeper and understand what enough really meant
0: Mm, Yeah, that's pretty powerful stuff. And you touched upon saying yes to everyone and it cluttering your finances. And so what does clutter look like for someone listening who kind of feels like, hey, this probably is one of the reasons why I'm kind of in this cycle of spending and accumulating things? How can they say, oh, yep, that's what it is? Like, what does clutter look like for someone in finances? So when
1: it comes to finances, you could have clutter in various different areas. You could have clutter in your spending, most obviously. So I also started to, once I got my home in order, started to focus on looking at my budget, seeing where my money was actually going, being more aware of what I was putting my money towards and making sure that it aligned better with my value. So I was spending my money on things that actually spark joy instead of just arbitrary spending. Also, clutter can come up in the form of over-shopping, over-consuming, a lot of trips to Amazon or or a Mm -hmm. lot of clicks online. That was a big problem for me as well and something I'm always very conscious of. I should probably stop here and say, I don't want this to come across as I am this person who never buys anything (laughs) because I definitely still consume. I just only buy things that spark joy. Also, clutter can show up in your business as well. So if you are a entrepreneur, like I was going into entrepreneurship and I was terrified that I was going to bring those bad personal finance behaviors into my business and still probably am. So clutter shows up in form of debt also as well, or even mismanagement of savings and investments. So I chose to take a deeper look at all of that and really just wanted to open up space for me to start to be more grateful also about my situation and compassionate to myself because I started to be a little bit too critical. So I also do things like thank my bills now, thank my debt, even though that can Mm -hmm. be uncomfortable (laughs) Mm -hmm. and thanking my job as well, even though it wasn't uh, inspiring me. I was grateful for the financial support.
0: Mm, And I love that you touched upon being grateful and having compassion. You said the line sparks joy a lot. And let's talk about what that means. How do you know if something sparks joy for you? So spark
1: joy or what sparks joy is just another way of asking yourself, do I love this? Or what do I value? Or what gives me life and energy? So it's just a tool to help us prioritize essentially where things like our money or our time or energy will go. And it starts by examining the objects, the obvious things, the physical things, like does this shirt spark joy? (laughs) And it's very intuitive. With KonMari, you're actually required to literally interact and pick up every single item in your home. And for the average American, that's actually up to 300,000 items. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'll repeat that. 300,000 items. And I didn't think that statistic was accurate until I started tiding with families and I totally get it now. Every paperclip, every hanger, every little game piece, it could easily add up to thousands and thousands of items. So KonMari forces you to look at every single item, literally pick it up and intuitively feel how you feel about it as much as d- more logically So that's where that whole idea of sparks joy comes from. And people who are now moving on beyond looking at their home translate this question into more of a lifestyle question. So what sparks joy in my job? Am I working on the projects I love? Am I surrounding myself with people who spark joy and influence me? So you can take it much further than that, but it starts with the objects in your home.
0: Mm -hmm. And you can apply it to... Your spending habits, obviously, and your budget, because one of the things that I talk about with people and on the podcast a lot is you have a cap on how much you can spend, right? You have your income, you have your expenses. And so if you're looking to find a way to save more, or pay off debt, earning more is one thing, but looking at your expenses is another. So look at what you spend and break it out. So what is a mandatory expense? What's a non mandatory expense? So for the non mandatory stuff, the things that are more optional, what in those categories can you remove or cut back on? Are they really important to you? Are you mindlessly spending on these things? So I would think that you can also ask yourself these questions going through your budget saying, does this actually spark joy in my life? Could I do without it or cut it back and still feel joy and then make some cuts or adjustments there and improve your finances on that level too?
1: Exactly. I even use it before I check out online because I, buy mainly online. I rarely go to um, brick and mortar stores. So I use it as a way to kind of check myself and make sure I'm not doing any impulsive shopping by asking myself, does everything in this cart spark joy? Does it have a clear purpose in my life and will it support my life and make it better? i like to use it that way. I also like to explore and write down my wins and my losses as well. So my financial wins, which sometimes they are based on things that I choose not to spend, but most of the time they are little cuts that I'm able to make in my budget, like taking out a little small subscription that I found that I don't use anymore or saving some money because I found a couple coupons on something. And I'll write all of those down month to month in a spreadsheet. And I'll also write my losses down because I do know that I could easily, you know, slip back in a bad moment in my life, you know, back to old behaviors So I want to always be conscious of where I came from, but also be compassionate by saying, "Okay, I'm not going to be perfect at FI every month. So here's where I might have slipped up. And if I see some sort of trend, like I'm buying too much fast food or something like that, I immediately am aware and conscious of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. as you were talking, something came up for me. And I'm wondering if you've heard this before from any of your clients or in the space that you're in. But Mm -hmm. So I was going through my closet and my drawers, which are a hot mess that I, (laughs) and what I I have a bag now. So I'm like, at least when you see something, you definitely know you're not gonna wear ever, ever again, because it has a hole in it or it's just too small or just not the the style you're into nowadays. Just put it in the bag and get rid of it. But then I'll come across certain things. I'm like, wait, but I might wear this one day again. And I did love it at one point in my life. And maybe I I haven't worn it in a couple of years, but I might wear it again. And so sometimes I think to myself, If I throw it away, right, like a shirt, like a random black T-shirt that I haven't worn in a while, but it's in my closet. If I throw this away and then there comes a time where now I need a black shirt, then I have to go out and buy one. So in my head, sometimes I justify having so many things because I feel like it's going to save me money because I don't want to go out and have to buy it again. So why not just keep it? Because I might need it one day.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a very popular question. The someday question. What if I need it someday?
0: I'm also saying to myself, I'm saving money. I'm almost saying this is okay because it's going to cost me more money if I throw it away.
1: Yes. and, And in some cases, that definitely may be true. Marie Kondo's method is all about focusing on reusing before you're going out and buying new things. So I also make sure people who are Studying this method, understand that it's not about me coming into a home or you independently decluttering and then saying, Oh, this book is telling me to get rid of everything. And that's not the case. If your work wardrobe doesn't spark joy, you still have to go to work. So, you know, keep it around until you're ready to replace it. But in terms of something that you might use someday, you were saying that you might have a shirt that has a hole in it, maybe rethink how you're going to use it, use it as a rag or as a blanket or something like that. So yes, I would first look for opportunities to reuse the items. And if you can't think of any purpose in terms of reuse or utility, then I would go always back to the vision. The first step of the KonMari method is actually not taking everything out of your closet and making decisions. A lot of people think that's the first step, but the first step is actually to ground yourself in the vision of your ideal lifestyle and ideal living environment. And it's something that people often overlook, but it's so critical because when you have those gray area moments, as I call them, like, well, maybe this will become useful somewhere down in the line one day. This is where you can lean on that vision and ground yourself in the present rather than living too far in the future. So when I have clients who say, oh, I'm going to keep these clothes that don't fit me right now, but they will someday." I just do a check with them to make sure health and wellness is in their vision and they have a clear path to losing the weight or gaining the weight in some cases. That's one place where women often find this a little bit tough to make those decisions. So yeah, I would say always go back to your vision because that will keep you on the ground and help you make those decisions that won't turn into more clutter moving forward.
0: Right. And then this kind of false sense of you're saving money again. Not really because you're just saying you're going to wear something and you just never wear it again. It just stays in your closet.
1: Exactly. And it just takes up space. It not only takes up space in the closet, it takes up space in your mind as well as something I like to call an open loop from an older productivity philosophy called getting things done. That author talks a lot about open loops and how like just seeing like a wrapper on the counter or just something that's out that you have to put away, even though that doesn't seem like a big deal, it accumulates as these things in your subconscious that you have to do if you don't do them immediately, even if they take like less than a second to do.
0: <laughs> right. and you get overwhelmed by just the thought of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So seeing that shirt there or
1: whatever that thing is that you haven't made a t- intentional decision about, it may take up a small square footage, but it may take up a larger square footage in your mind and, and, or your subconscious and you don't even realize that it's having an impact on you. And if there's a lot of things like that added together, kind of the cumulative property of that it can be quite taxing on people.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is like how things seep into all areas of our lives, because. Whether you're working a nine-to-five or you're an entrepreneur, you have a side hustle, kids, our lives are filled with so many things. Yes. (laughs) It can be overwhelming, you know, and so by not taking care of the smaller stuff or being organized or tidy in certain things, these all accumulate or, or build upon each other where, like you said, you wanted to become an entrepreneur, but you wanted to make sure you had the right systems in place, and you were organized enough to do it. And the same thing with me, like, I, I want to do this full time. And so for me, I know that I would want to before doing that, or in the transition of being able to do that is that I'd, I'd have a tidy home, especially if this is going to be a place where I work from sometimes, and I don't I want to sit and be inspired by my environment and not feel that cluttered or overwhelming sense that kind of I feel now.
1: Exactly. You want to have a home that is an extension or you want to be an extension of a home that you honor. And when your home is filled with all these intentional decisions, sometimes I feel like my clutter almost puts itself back into place. I know, obviously, it's not that kind of magic. I still have to pick up after myself. But my... Things are so happy to have intentional place to be and a lot of space around them. Nothing's jammed or cluttered or dishonored or disrespected. So I find that it's really a retreat. It's a peaceful space. And I needed that at the time when I was doing something that I considered a huge risk going into entrepreneurship, changing my career, trying to focus more on my health. I needed the space like physically as well as mentally to jump in.
0: Mm hmm. As you talk about wanting more, well, people who are not organized and who are consuming a lot and not being thoughtful, the whole process of more and more, right, in our spaces also leads to that whole lifestyle upgrade where we think we need more house and room than we do. And so it kind of leads to, oh, I need, I have all these things. I need a bigger house to hold all these things. And then as housing expenses are usually the most expensive thing in anyone's budget, that again, just keeps your budget increasing or keeps you from being able to save or invest as much as you like because you're always thinking about the next bigger thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's that endless cycle. And I should mention, I've, I've actually lived in a large home in my childhood, but then I chose to live in less than 100 square feet in my adult life. So I have seen both sides. I'm not opposed to small home living or big home living. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I just found that statistic that I mentioned, 300,000 items. It's so interesting that we are buying so much more, but I don't really see the matching statistic that these things are making us more happy. And we're just becoming more and more experts of consumerism. And We think the answer is more organizing tools, right? Most people think traditionally, oh, I just need more space. I just need another closet, an extension on the house, more fancy bins, more file folders, more trips to the container store or more space. Mm -hmm. But really it's about looking at what you're actually storing, what you need all the space for. Just taking a, a moment to look a little closer at what it is first, rather than jumping to where it needs to go. And I'd argue that this isn't necessarily the answer. More of those things isn't necessarily the answer. I rarely purchase additional bins for my clients because we find all kinds of things and some of things are just repurposed from different rooms that are already in the home once we pare down and declutter to what's essential. And so it's not about buying more storage. That's just kind of a Band-Aid solution. It doesn't really get to the source of the problem. And I love how now there's this whole movement with KonMari and with minimalism and essentialism and FI. Everyone's all about less is more and you know, really capturing the attention of Americans right now because this message is really speaking directly to households.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And as you mentioned, FI and people traveling on this movement who want to reach financial independence and you are one of them, right? Yes. So you are on the journey. So Explain how this method is helping you and then how anyone that's listening who's on the journey to FI, how they can make some changes to help them too.
1: Sure. I think a year ago, I probably had no idea where the FI was. (laughs) (laughs) So I I am new to the community. But it's interesting how being an entrepreneur and on the FI path and living Kanmari all kind of work together to me i think it's a great winning combo and i am just kind of kicking myself like why didn't i find out about this earlier how come it took so long to get to this place but now that i'm here you know i really love where i'm at and i do have some good news i paid off half of my debt that i mentioned that sixty thousand dollars
0: Yay. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm I'm halfway there and I started that at the beginning of this year, so kind of in a short amount of time. But I had to make some huge changes. I moved, you know, to a different neighborhood which I actually like better but pay way less rent and I let go of my car which I've had since I, I don't know, 2000s I've had a car, like early 2000s. And now living in the city of Chicago, so I didn't feel like I needed it anymore. And I also let go of a rental property that I had in Virginia and it just wasn't making any money and it was just becoming too much of a hassle. So I just wanted to take a moment to let it go. And then, as I mentioned, of course, letting go of the corporate job to attract the career and lifestyle I want. So I did all that in order to get my five clock started. I am still working through paying off some debt, but I look forward to continuing on with the community. And I just appreciate your voice, Jamila, Mm -hmm. and all those out there really pushing this message because it's so important. And it's had such a huge impact in such a short amount of time in my life. So other than Kunmari, this is the other philosophy that has really changed my life.
0: Mm -hmm. And I love you gave specific examples of how you let go of things that were not sparking joy and how that allowed you to pay off like the $30,000 in debt and start your journey to FI. For anyone listening, what can they do to utilize the concepts that you talked about in their lives to improve not just their general life, but their finances. And you hit it on the head. Like look at what you're spending. Look at the things that have been a habit or normal to you for so long. Like you had that car for forever, but you realize that it wasn't necessarily something that brought you joy or it was necessary anymore and you'd able to let it go and I'm sure save a lot of money or even the rental property, right? Like you were able to let that go. So I think that's just fascinating. And anyone listening, I'm sure can think of something in their life, like dig deep, just don't look at the surface level, like maybe the ones that are a little harder to like, let go of because you identify with it. And it's part of your ego. Look at that and say to yourself, is it really something that's still serving me today?
1: Yeah, you've hit it right on the head. (laughs) And it's interesting that I feel like with Kanmari and Phi. It's one of those things, now that we've talked about the word today and the concept, because it's so intentional, I know when I first heard about Phi, then all of a sudden I heard and saw it everywhere else, for example. So I think the same applies to Kanmari. So I'm sure everyone's gonna see it everywhere now that we have this conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about what people can do in general and I mentioned looking at your list or your what you spend on and seeing if it sparks joy. Are there any other tips you can give someone listening where they can stop listening to this today and say, Okay, I'm gonna make this change in my home and my life and be in a better situation?
1: Sure. Well, I should say I actually take this message of Kanmari on the road a lot and I speak a lot at libraries and community centers in Chicago. And it's interesting how I find that those in the audience, almost all of them, I'd say 80 plus percent of them have raised their hand and said that they've heard of Kunmari, They've either read the book or read a blog about it. And so I'm fascinated by like finding out what is this barrier between receiving this type of information and actually putting it into action. So I would say if you are looking to get started, Don't necessarily say, oh, I have to finish the book first or use kind of those sabotaging thoughts sometimes. That's a great place to start to read the life-changing magic of tidying up. Of course, you could visit my website as well for the love of tidy.com. I have some blogs that talk about the impact of the method on your life and some fundamentals as well. But I would really say the best first step would be to make an appointment with yourself. So see if there's clutter in your actual calendar that may be preventing you from being able to make time to execute the tidying event. As I mentioned, this type of tidying is a batch style. So it's not about a trickle here and there. So you do need to prioritize at least three to five hours in one day in your schedule to execute it properly. So I like to say like to my clients make an appointment with yourself as if you can pretend that I'm coming over <laughs> or you could pretend like that appointment is actually for your family or for a meeting with your boss you know we are so quick to to not cancel appointments for other people but very quick to cancel appointments that are for things that will benefit our own self care so I would say the first step is to see if there's any clutter in your schedule. If there is, deprioritize some things to make space for a little bit of attention on tidying. And then start by writing down that vision, grounding yourself in that ideal lifestyle and living environment before you pick up a single item in your home. Make sure you do that part first and then start your decision making.
0: Mm, great, great tips. And you also have a wonderful podcast yourself called the Spark Joy Podcast, right? And so people can also listen to you there, um, talk a bit more about these topics.
1: Yes. If you feel you need a little bit more guidance beyond what we discussed today, definitely check out the Spark Joy Podcast. I co host that weekly podcast. So we have new episodes every Tuesday, and we break down the Kanmari fundamentals. But we also go a little bit beyond that. Um, so we're not just an organizing show. We like to talk about the Kunmari lifestyle, how people are sparking joy in their life well beyond Kunmari or as a result of Kunmari. So if you're looking for kind of a crash course or just something to listen to while you tidy, I definitely invite you to go to SparkJoyPodcast.com.
0: Okay, awesome. And I will link all that in the show notes so everyone can find out more about you. Very cool. All right. Thanks so much, Kristen. This is wonderful. Thank you. I had a great time. Okay, Journeyers, I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Kristen. And if you want the episode show notes for anything we discussed, go to com slash episode 65. There, you'll find some links that Kristen and I mentioned. Also let me know what you think on social media. So if you're listening to this, take a screenshot, put it in your IG stories, tag me. Also just message me if you want to give me feedback. Love reading what you guys think of the episode. Comment on any Facebook, Twitter, Instagram post you see. Also, I think I'm going to start asking you guys to hashtag journey to launch when you're listening to something, if you repost something that I repost or something sparks something in you like a thought in you you post it on social media do a hashtag journey to launch that way i think it's going to be pretty cool if once we start getting more momentum with this you'll just be able to search the hashtag journey to launch to see how other people are enjoying or listening to the content and connect with other journeyers you can also connect with journeyers like yourself by going to slash community and you can join our facebook community it's a growing community where You can meet other people just like you on the journey. You can go in there, ask questions and network, talk and share information and get, most importantly, encouragement and support from one another. You can also listen to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And so that's on your Android phone, on your Apple phone, on YouTube, Spotify, namely anywhere. So just remember if you're trying to tell someone about the podcast that there are really a number of options to be able to listen, go to journeytolaunch.com slash podcast, you'll see a list of all the podcast episodes and where you can listen to the podcast. If you're listening to this in Apple Podcast, that purple app on your phone, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You know, I ask you this every single time. (laughs) So thank you again for you guys that have already done it. Thank you for you who are about to do it, right? You're about to do it right now. Thank you. Until the next week's episode, I just wanna say thanks again for joining me and keep on journeying, journeyers.